1: This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a series of messages called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life, on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Today, we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to be talking about wise speech from the book of Proverbs. The anchor verse for us is going to be Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. So, what is the strongest muscle in the body? Well, the magazine Scientific American tackled this question a few years back and came up with three possible contenders. The quadriceps on the front of your thighs are the largest muscle in the body and therefore can produce the most force. The masseter, which is the main muscle in your jaw, is also a contender because it doesn't have a large area to control and so it can exert a massive amount of force in a small area. The heart is also a contender just because of the simple fact that it beats and beats and beats throughout your entire life without stopping But I'd like to offer another suggestion for strongest muscle. I think it's the tongue. Now, you might say, well, the tongue is not one muscle, Derek. It's eight muscles. And I'd reply, oh, you must have read the same scientific uh, American article that I read. But in terms of capacity for doing the most good or the cultivation of the largest amount of evil, it's the tongue. The tongue is the strongest muscle in that regard. The book of James tells us as much. It notes that the tongue is one of those small things that makes an absolutely massive difference. It's like the rudder on a ship. The ship uh, rudder is this tiny piece of the ship, all things considered, but it steers the entire vessel. James says that the tongue is like a spark that can set a whole forest ablaze, but it's even worse because the tongue has the ability to set our whole lives ablaze with the fire of hell. That's not me talking. That's James 3 verse 6. And James notes that while as human beings we have the capacity to tame almost all of creation and sort of bring it along with our will, we can tame beasts, we can tame nature, we can order things that at one point were disordered. No one seems to be able to tame the tongue. James says that it's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people that are made in the likeness of God. Now it makes sense that the book of James would reflect on the tongue for so long because the book of James is a wisdom book of the, of the New Testament and, and the book of Proverbs, which also talks about these same themes, is one of the great wisdom books of the Old Testament. So it makes sense that these two books would be in concert with each other. And it's in such beautiful concert because it tells us the same thing that this Old Testament wisdom book tells us. That our wisdom or our foolishness is going to be demonstrated by our words Or maybe by our silence. And that's what I want to talk about as we walk through the book of Proverbs today that our wisdom or our foolishness is going to be demonstrated by our words or by our silence what we're going to do is walk through the uh, middle section of the book of Proverbs. We're going to consider the difference between wise and foolish speech. And then we'll take a look at a case study in words from Proverbs chapter 26, uh, the most extended talk of talk in the book of Proverbs. And then we'll conclude by just taking a look at one of the most confusing verses or two verses in all of Proverbs, two verses that are all about speech and all about talking. So, Let's begin with wise and foolish speech. The passage that anchors this subject is Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. This verse for us offers really practical wisdom. If you want to be wise, one of the things that you can do is just talk less. Is Just talk less. Abraham Lincoln once said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. One of those great Lincoln quotes, right? But what Lincoln is getting at is that it's actually the person who's able to talk less, who's able to speak less, that is actually the wise person. And this theme runs through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 11 verse 12 says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. 18 verse two says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Wow, that's an ouch one right there because you know, I think that all of us can probably agree that there's a certain pleasure in expressing one's opinion. And yet that's the way that a fool operates, not learning, just talking. 18:13 says, "If one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame." And 20 verse 19 says, "Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler." And 21 verse 23 says, "Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble." All throughout the book of Proverbs. The sign of a fool is one who is unable to restrain his speech. And the sign of a wise person is one who is able to keep himself or herself from speaking. The fool is the one who must talk. The wise one is the one who is able to do the opposite. And all of this is summed up. At the end of this section of General Proverbs, in Proverbs 29, verse 20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for the fool than for him. What the end of Proverbs 29 is telling us is that if you are a simple fool, if you are merely an idiot, if you are by nature sort of a dullard, if you are a person who has been demonstrated to be a fool, you are better off Than a person who talks a lot. Now that is really striking. Because the entirety of the book up through Proverbs 29 is warning you against being a fool. And then there's this crazy turn of phrase. There's actually more hope for you if you're just a fool. Than if you're somebody who can't keep himself or herself from talking. Ouch. This is a word of wisdom to all of us. Now, you might be the strong, silent type yourself. And if you are, I'm jealous of you because I'm whatever the opposite of the strong, silent type is, I think. The weak, talkative type. And I think that that is far more common than the strong, silent type, you know? It's way easier to talk and to feel like you're getting your point across than to be silent and to consider before carefully choosing what word you're going to say. Most of us probably like social engagements where we feel like we were able to say our piece and people were listening more than if we had to sit and listen to the incessant opinions of other people who might have been there at this particular party or gathering or social encounter. One way to be wise is simply to talk less. James says this too in verses 19 through 21 of chapter 1 of James. Know this: let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Do you want to be wise? Just talk less. Now, I'm not telling you that you can't talk. I'm not saying that I'm hoping that when we leave the sanctuary and go for coffee, that it's just silence all throughout the gym. Because everyone's like, man, I'm going to put into practice the sermon today, and I'm not going to be the first one to talk. You might hear the kids running around, but all the adults are just going to be standing around with their coffee. That's not what I'm offering to you. I'm just saying that in general, it's probably the case that you could benefit from listening more and talking less. And when I say you, I'm directing that to, you know, myself. But Proverbs also talks about what happens when a wise person speaks. Proverbs isn't saying that all of us need to take upon ourselves a vow of silence. But it does talk about what it looks like when a wise person speaks. Chapter 10, verse 20 says that the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. But the heart of the wicked is of little worth. It's a beautiful, you know, like very compelling, punchy little phrase that talks about how, you know, when you hear a wise person talk, it's beautiful, it's glorious, it's good, it's helpful, it's valuable, it's choice silver. Proverbs 10 verse 31 says, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. Proverbs 18, verse 4 says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Which again, speaks to the fact that when wise words, well chosen, are spoken in season, that it can be a great healing, restorative benefit. Like deep waters that renew the earth. When a wise person speaks, this person speaks words that are good and true. And faithful and holy. They're healing words. They're beautiful words. And so if you and I seek to be wise, the first thing that we can do is make an effort to listen more than we speak. Put the effort in to ask questions rather than just make statements. But then when you do speak, tell the truth. It's amazing how easy it can be to lie, to say, you know, this is just a white, harmless lie I'm going to go along with. It's striking how easy it is to do that in the course of conversation. A wise person tells the truth does not
0: lie. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, hope for your life, Visit us today at GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering 7 Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com.
1: And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life. On the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it wise person speaks words of encouragement and healing, encouragement in line with the truth, encouragement not flattery. Proverbs will say, may the Lord cut off the lips of the flatterer. One of the ways that a wise person and a foolish person, a righteous person, and a sinful person can be distinguished is that the wise person will speak true encouraging words that are genuine refreshment for the sake of the other person. The foolish person will speak flattering words to make you like them. That's the difference. And then speak in ways that are holy. The righteous and the wise are often equivalent in the book of Proverbs. And as you grow in holiness, as we grow in holiness, as we allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, we will find that our speech becomes sweeter and cleaner and and more glorious and beautiful and builds up and is encouraging and is not for our sake, but is for the building up of other people. All of this is wonderful and glorious. So this takes us to a case study, to all of this reality that exists between Proverbs chapter 10 and Proverbs chapter 29, to sort of come into practice in the way that it's used in one chapter in particular, and that's Proverbs chapter 26. You can feel free to turn there with me if you'd like, because I'm going to read a little bit more extended portion now from the Bible. It's going to be from Proverbs chapter 26 here. I'm going to read verses 18 and 19 and then 22 through 26. Because there are three types of individuals described here in relation to the way that they use their speech, the way that they use their language. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. And then take a look at 22 through 28. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels; they go down into the inner parts of the body, like the glaze covering an earthen vessel. Are fervent lips with an evil heart? Whoever disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart, when he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. There are three kinds of individuals that are described here in Proverbs chapter 26, specifically in relation to the way that they use their speech. The first one, and it's actually from least harmful to most harmful, the first one is a, a mischief maker. Now, this person is not wise. Now, there's, there can be, like, jokes that are, are harmless or good or helpful. Proverbs 17, verse 22, tells us that laughter is like sweet medicine for the soul. And so, you know, saying something that, that brings about laughter and, and joking and joviality is good, but this is not that. This is the sort of deceit that harms another person and then tries to prevent them from being upset with you because you're like, it was just a joke, don't get upset with it. But there's real sort of like harm that comes from these words. And you can't get out of creating real harm just by saying it was a joke. It's not a big deal. Get over it. Instead, this is the sort of person like a crazy person that is just shooting fiery arrows all over the place. You set things ablaze and it's troublesome. But then things get worse because while this first person is a deceiver and, and can't really get out of it just by saying, hey, it was a joke, get over it, it's not, it's not so bad. The next person is a slanderer in verse 22. The words of the whisperer that are like delicious morsels that go down to the inner parts of the body. This is the slanderer or the person that's, that's given to gossip. Gossip. This one will often whisper about other people and and you like hearing things that apparently nobody else knows about. You like hearing about the whispers about this or that place or this or that person or what's been happening here or there. It's like eating something that's sweet, like delicious little bits of food. But whenever the, the gossip or the slanderer is saying these sorts of things, like as you receive them, it can start corrupting your own thinking about this person or that person. I love it. I love it when people are really committed to trying to guard and protect the good name of a neighbor. Maybe I've told you this before, but one time I was talking to one of my good friends, Chris Spano. We were talking about somebody that we had gone to college with. I was like, you know what I heard about them? And you could tell by the the tone of voice that I was using that I was about to give one of these choice morsels. And he goes, that's gossip. And I stopped right away. And I was like, you are right, Chris. I'm not going to tell you anything that I heard. You know, it's amazing how much community can be disrupted because you hear whispers about what this or that or the other person said about you. They might be totally fabricated and made up, but they break down, they break down community. When when the catechism talks about not committing false testimony, it it tells us that part of our duty as Christians is to do whatever we can to guard and to advance the good name of our neighbor. A, A Christian is actually the opposite of this sort of person. You're not whispering about what's happening or what you heard about this person or, oh, they're not really who they claim to be. Oh, You do what you can to say what's good about this person. That doesn't mean you never call out evil. It doesn't mean that you don't don 't like say true things that are hard; it just means that you restrain yourself from gossip or slander and so there 's the mischief maker, and then there 's the slanderer or gossip. But the passage ends by talking about the the hateful enemy, the hateful sort of person, and, and the way that the hateful person is described, and that 's the way that they 're talked about the, verse twenty six those so hatred be covered with deception, so the way that the hateful person is described. Is, is in these specific sorts of ways. They say that the hateful person is like just a common earthen vessel that is like glazed with a silver glaze to make it seem like this is a, a, uh, a truly majestic and beautiful sort of special vessel, not just one of those pots that you would use for everyday sort of uses. The hateful person will use language that seems gracious but is actually given to undermining. The hateful person will try to lull you asleep by flattering you when they are really. Lying, They are disguising themselves with their lips while harboring deceit in their heart, verse 24. They are speaking graciously, but having abominations in their heart, verse 25. They're deceiving and covering over the deception, but it's going to be found out. Because, ultimately, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. Oftentimes, the person that's given over to hatred of other people will flatter you with their speech, but then talk about you differently when you're not around. A hateful person, according to Proverbs, will speak with language that appears nice. But real hate disguises itself. It makes you think that it's lovely and glittering and special when it's just common nonsense. It lures you in. And we are invited to see through it here in Proverbs chapter 26. It's better to speak honestly than deceive. Proverbs tells us that blows from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs is saying that a real friend would never stab you in the back. A real friend stabs you in the front. That's the way that you can tell somebody is really a friend. A hateful person will make you think that you are the best while they whisper about you behind their back. Here's the way that a wise, righteous friend operates. Humble, plainly spoken truth, and it's glorious, and we can delight in it. And then a challenging verse, two verses, answer a fool according to his folly, and then immediately following, don't answer a fool according to his folly. One of the most confusing sections of two verses in the entire Bible. Answer a fool according to his folly, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And you might think, well, the Bible is contradicting itself. How in the world can this same thing happen one right after the next? This is clearly, clearly something where the Bible is speaking out of both sides of its mouth. I'm supposed to both answer a fool according to his folly, and I'm also supposed to not answer a fool according to his folly. How in the world does that work together? It's one of the most confusing verses in all of Proverbs. And what it's saying to us is that it takes wisdom to know how and when to speak. It takes wisdom to be able to discern when you are supposed to be silent and wisdom to discern when you are supposed to speak. There are certain times where somebody foolish is spreading foolishness around, and for you to say something is just going to make it worse because they're going to drag you into the mud and it's going to become this whole thing. The place where people tend to do that is called Twitter, and so just be aware of all of that when you are engaging in social media. A lot of times in the course of like socially mediated or distanced conversation, it's very difficult to actually speak a helpful word that brings a resolution to the sort of thing. But there are other times where a foolish person might be speaking and you need to check that foolishness by saying a word to make sure that they can't continue to think that they're right in their own eyes. It may be that others fall into this foolishness because you failed to respond. And this just gets us back to the nature of Proverbs. Again, Proverbs are not a list of rules. They're not a list of rules. The Bible gives to us rules, but it's not itself a rule book. It has many varied genres, and it's glorious and wonderful. Could you imagine how long the Bible would be? If it gave you every possible situation where a person was saying something foolish in these situations you can respond and in these situations where it 's saying this sort of thing, you have to be silent. If the Bible laid out every possible circumstance or scenario, it itself would just be impossibly long all right let me so this is uh, you know this is how I respond if the person calls me a jerk all right so subsetting three you know point. ZZX here. Okay, so this is the way that I'm supposed to respond. The Bible could be as long as an encyclopedia if it gave you the way that you were supposed to respond in every possible circumstance. Instead, it gives to you the invitation to become wise and discerning and the sort of person that knows the Lord well enough that you're able to discern and make use of the wisdom that he's worked within you and developing within you by the Holy Spirit to know when you're supposed to talk and when you're supposed to be silent. The Bible calls us to live in wisdom. There are times where you must answer a fool, and there are times where you must not answer a fool. And all of us are called to cultivate the sort of wisdom that enables us to be wise. The beautiful thing in all of this is that this is actually the way of our Savior and Lord Jesus. I want to invite you to actually turn with me to Mark chapter 14, because we can see the way that this operates in the life of Jesus, Jesus in Mark chapter 14 is before the council. He's on trial in Mark chapter 14. Jesus here is the wisest man who ever lived. He's confronted with all manner of false testimony. And in the face of all of it, he's just perfectly quiet. He just listens to it. But then he's given a question to answer a specific query. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed? That's the son of God. And Jesus determines, well, this is the time for me to speak. He says, yeah, I am. And because of that, they say he's a blasphemer, and they put him to death for it. Ultimately, it's what leads him all the way to the cross. First is silence, and then his answer, his answer ends up sending him to the cross for you and for me to redeem us by his perfectly wise speech for all of our foolish speech.